0: You're listening to PetLiferadio.com.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Pets Mean Business. On Pet Life Radio Network, I'm your host, Jamie Migdal, and I am very excited for today's show for probably like I guess two to three big reasons. Reason number one, I have an awesome guest who I really like, and also our first like like multiple booked author is it, that that's a term I don't know. So I'm excited to have the conversation and introduce you guys to her, and, and she's doing some really great stuff. And she also sent me her books, and so now I'm a true fan. And that's one reason I'm excited. The second reason I'm excited, although this is more of a excitement bittersweet kind of thing, because today is my last show for the first quarter, at least, of 2017. And I wanted to share why and tell you the plan. So you guys are, you know, so I'm, I'm still around. I'm accessible. I'm not leaving. I didn't win the lottery. I'm not moving to, you know, some tropical island. I'm just working really hard. My company, Fetch Fine, that I think you know, I've been building and growing for the last couple of years. Has really come into um, a lot of really wonderful opportunity. We just bought another company called PodIn.com. I've been going through a business accelerator program in Chicago, which has allowed me a lot of new opportunity. And I just won an award from Purina. My company won an award from Purina for one of the top five most innovative pet care companies in the country. So all of those things together, plus some other wonderful things, are happening at the same time, and it's requiring me to really just put my head down and be ultra focused to meet my goals and meet my company's goals over the next whoever knows how long but as I'm transitioning from buying pod in and bringing it into FetchFind and making sure that all the pieces are there and working with all of the different teams and developers and you know our core team here it just I want to be able to focus on that and that's really important as an entrepreneur right to know kind of what your limitations are and to make hard choices around those limitations because everyone know, I love the show, I love the organization, I love Mark the producer and Pets Mean Business and, and Pet Life Radio I love all of it, it's one of the most wonderful things in my career so far to date but I also know that it takes time that I don't have right now so I made the choice to cut this for now as well as some other things just to focus on building my business and that's a great lesson I hope that that means something and that, that you take away from that and this is something that people have been coaching me around for a long time Time. And I think that we've talked about this on the show a lot about what does it mean to, you know, what are hard decisions you have to make? And what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? And what is, you know, what are, what are the things that are the difference between success and ultimate success? And I think that something that I've not been as clear on is that you really do need to be willing to make sacrifices. See, I can't even come up with the word let alone make it. So a sacrifice for me is giving up on things that I love, some things in my life, personal and professional, just to focus on building my company. And I'm proud of the decision and I feel comfortable with it. And, um, but, 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 but the show's too awesome. And we have a huge listenership. And again, I think it's an important show. I think that the pet industry is growing day by day, minute by minute, and I think that this is not the time to walk away from this kind of momentum and also from the things that people are telling me they're getting from the show. So if that's, you know, I, I want to keep it going. So I have, we had a guest many, many, many months ago, maybe he was my second or third guest. His name is Dustin McAdams. He's the CEO of a company, happens to also be Chicago-based, called Pupjoy, And he's a great guy, a great entrepreneur, understands the pet space in a really interesting way because he has a a subscription box, really high quality subscription box, um, and is really approaching that business model, I think. In a very unique and mindful, thoughtful, professional way. So, you know, I reached out to him. Mark and I, our producer here at Pet Life Radio and Pets Mean Business, we reached out to to Dustin and said, Listen, is this something you'd be willing to do? Would you be willing to be my stand in and transition to having you do the show on my behalf? You know, we'll keep some things in place, we'll play things by ear, and we'll figure out how this can look, but I don't want to lose the momentum. So, good news here is that you guys will all meet and get acquainted with Dustin McAdams, and I'll be around. And then when we get past quarter one of next year, we'll figure out how I can still be a, a part of this and come back and so on and so forth. So that's the sad, good, bittersweet, good, all the kind of a mixed bag of news. But, you know, here's the thing. I'm here, my Jamie at Pet Life Radio, that's obviously not going away. Jamie at Fetch fine you can reach me. Anything you need, please, please just interact, engage. If you want to be on the social medias, Check out things there, Dustin. I'm going to include him in some of those things as well, so you can reach either of us. Either of us. So yeah. So that's the news. Hmm. Feels very. Feels like this is a little surreal because I, I, again, I love this so much. All right, I love you guys. All right. So let's uh, let's get to taking a break, and when we come back from the break, we'll talk with Diane. And uh, who I think you're going to really love. She's just, she's lovely. She's a lovely person who writes really, really meaningful books for kids and for adults. She, in fact, we're going to be talking about what she calls her big girl book, which I think is hilarious. Uh, um, So we'll be talking about a big girl book and some other little kid books too. She actually sent me her books and uh, my daughter, my five-year-old daughter is in love with them, the little girl books. She's been around for a long time in the in the animal welfare world uh, as an educator, uh, working on the board of rescue organizations. She's also a certified humane education specialist. I mean, she's got, she's just, she's the real deal. And so, and you'll know that once she's here with us and she'll be back with us, she'll be with us when we get back from the break. So let's take the break. You guys, I love you. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll come back and talk to Diane. Okay. Be right back. So I was just reminded (laughs) from my producer, Mark, that I didn't mention Diane's last name. And that just, that actually is a compliment to you, Diane, because that means I'm just super comfortable with you. So it's Diane Rose Solomon. We're friends already. Yeah, we're (laughs) friends already. So it's, it's Diane Rose Solomon, and that's a hyphen. Diane, welcome to Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for having me. of course. I'm thrilled to have you. Let's go ahead and talk about who you are and how you got here. How did you become an author?
0: Very unintentionally. If you had asked me or told me 15 or even 10 years ago that I was going to be an author, I probably would have laughed. And it really came from having a story to tell and sitting down and writing it out. It wasn't premeditated at all. The story literally just came through me with a pen and a piece of paper sitting in a chair. There was no computer involved, nothing. And I looked down and I thought, what did I just do? I wrote a story. And the story was about really my story of how we rescued our first dog 21 years ago and then everything that unfolded from there. And what I learned from it and really what I wanted other people to know about it. And I said, well, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to make it into an article and share it with magazines? And I decided, no, I really want this to be a kid's book. And let's get this information starting with kids and let them learn it now. And unconditional love and kindness and compassion, all the scenes and responsibility that are in the book.
1: But why kids? I mean, where were you in your life I mean, I understand that the timeline right. So we rescued our puppy twenty one years ago and that changed your whole perspective right. and that really obviously right. lit a fire for you and it was really um you know, a really emotional and really meaningful experience. Right. But what made you bring kids into it? But also, yeah, so like what yeah, well, why was it kids and not why was it why was it not a handout or a you know, or or a lecture series or something like that? How did you get to that yeah. place?
0: Good question. Well, you asked it. The first, the very first thing you just asked was, where were you in your life? And I had right. young kids at the time. You did have and kids. You I had did young young have kids. young kids at the okay. time. Okay. And I was thinking about what sponges they are. And they would come home from school and share what they learned with me. And How, old were, they? For How example, old were they at the, at the time? time yeah. yeah, let's say six or seven, six years ago, it was maybe not even, so they were like nine and seven or 10 and eight or okay. 11, something like that. So like early grade younger. school,
1: early grade school.
0: Yeah, early, early mid grade school. Okay. And like an example is mommy, mommy, there's a drought, we have to use less water or don't use so much electricity, which was actually something we used to say to our parents when I was a kid, let's turn off some lights where they would take say it to us. But kids learn stuff in school and they come home and they share it. And you know that with your daughter. And I thought, wow, if I could share this information about my story about animal rescue and what I learned through it with kids, this is the next generation of people who are going to be making a decision about compassion to animals and creating a kind world for animals and really people ultimately. And I figured if it was a children's book. Adults are buying children's books for children anyway. So it's sort of like everybody's benefiting from this, it's but
1: really particularly very the children.
0: Thinking.
1: Really good yeah. marketing, very entrepreneurial thinking, by the way, as far as like identifying whether you did this intentional decision or not, but where you can get the most market bang for your buck. So good good thinking on that part. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, can I ask you, what about, the dog's name is Emma? is that right? The puppy yes. you rescued? Oh, the puppy was
0: JJ. JJ. I'm sorry. Of course, JJ. Who's we Emma? We had an Emma, is an Emma? I don't know. That, you you might have read. The, we had an Emma who we fostered for like six months. That's how, I don't think is that Emma's weird? in any of my stuff. I don't know how you got Emma, but we had an Emma. But this is dog so is JJ.
1: Cool? Oh my gosh. See, we're totally aligned, Diane. So,
0: okay. So with JJ,
1: what was the most important thing? What was the most stunning element of that experience?
0: Of when we found JJ, yeah, or, yeah, like where, yeah, where,
1: what was the stunning? What was the stunning part of that you didn't expect that really invoked these feelings and and drove you to producing your first book?
0: Well, this is let's go back twenty one years ago, and I don't mean, know about you, but I, yeah, yeah, let's go back twenty one years. <laughs> let's ago. do it. Let's, let's do take it. a walk. <laughs> and <laughs> and. I don't know about you, but I had never heard of animal rescue or a dog adoption. It just wasn't part of my world. And most people hadn't, I believe. There was you know, like a fringe group of people who were really passionate, but it wasn't mainstream yet. And so my husband and I, we had a thing for golden retrievers and we were going to go to a breeder. I had started researching breeders to go get a golden. And at the 11th hour my husband gets a phone call from one of his work buddies that he'd been playing soccer on a field that night. The game ended and he saw this puppy sniffing around a garbage can. He took the puppy home because there was nobody else around. The dog had a choke collar on that was too tight. He had fleas. And he called Mm. us and said, I can't keep this dog. Could you take the dog? And I was really against the whole thing. You should have seen my body language, Jamie. I was like, I don't want some mangy stray from the streets. I want my perfect purebred golden that i can pick out sure and long story short my husband brought the puppy home the next day just just to look and i fell in love and that's when i learned that for me at least it wasn't about the breed or the size or the shape of the dog it was about what i call the dogness of the dog i fell in love with the dog and how long did that take
1: how long did that take out of curiosity.
0: Like seven seconds, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) You were a quick study. Okay. You were a sucker. Yeah, quick study. I was total sucker. And even if I had wanted to take him back somewhere, I didn't even realize that there was something called an animal shelter to take him to, you know? I was, like, that clueless. But I fell in love with him, and I sort of, I don't know, I started telling people we have this dog, and we adopted him, and somebody introduced me to this woman who ran an organization. So I started doing some fundraising with her and then I was eventually on her board. And through her, I learned that at the time between 12 and 16 million healthy adoptable animals were being euthanized in the shelters. And Jamie, it broke my heart. And I thought, this is not okay. And if this is not okay, and I'm aware of this information, what can I do to make a difference to help bring those numbers down? Well, then I became a certified humane education specialist through Humane Society University. Who knew that they even had a, have a university? And then I, as I said, accidentally wrote that first book and then a whole series behind it because I wanted to get the message out to people who were like me, people who you know, educated and, you know, anybody like you, you didn't know about it before. You didn't know about it before, but now everybody knows that, you know, and you have options and you can look at a shelter and you can adopt a dog and save a life and, and you're making a difference.
1: So 21 years ago, let's see, that was what? 2000 or no, 1996, 1995,
0: no, nine, yeah.
1: yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about, I'm trying to think about where life was at that point as far as and you were in Los Angeles, right? At that time.
0: I had just moved to Los Angeles. And
1: where'd you move from, out of curiosity, just so I can understand? New York. Okay, okay, I hear that in your voice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So 95, so it's funny, and just I love that you put a time on that and and kind of, I think for everybody, everyone who's listening should be thinking, let's see, where was my mind around rescue and around pet ownership 20 years ago? Because we talk about in the pet industry all the time how the last 20 years have been so defining and the massive amounts of growth and so interesting that that lines up for you personally with that timeline that we talk about from an industry perspective that doesn't seem like an accident. So for me, 21 years ago, I I had just started my first pet sitting company. I had just come from working in an animal shelter and in an animal hospital. And I think you're right. In fact, I remember I worked at uh, an organization here in Chicago called Anti-Cruelty Society, which is a sizable... I know uh, them well. I know them well. I worked there when I was in college. And I remember going to Thanksgiving dinner. So this is 93, 92, 91, something around there. And I went to dinner and my uncle, my great uncle Shelly, was just this amazing man who loves animals. Uh, he said, so you're working at the, uh, at the Animal Cruelty Society? I said oh, no. and, the thing, and the thing that was funny right because I mean he and he said this very I and mean, he's a very funny guy but he said this you know very accidentally uh, that's really but looking back at that I have thought about this a couple of times how like that mistake wouldn't really be made right now because everyone knows it's the anti-cruelty society and that's just you know the, the language uh, has evolved so much just even in that kind of you know casual setting so it's interesting because you're right 20 something years ago and he couldn't understand well, what are you doing there? What do you do in an animal shelter? And now, of course, Mm -hmm. like you're talking about, he would never ask me that question. No one would ever ask me that question. They may ask some questions about operationally or what have you, but it would never be this weird thing that somebody's doing. So, it's interesting that you are on the very front of that movement and that you've been with it now for the last couple of decades. What have you seen in terms of that acceptance and that, and what have you seen societally about people moving more towards and, and fairly aggressively moving more towards you know, embracing rescue? What are some of the most, well, what are some of the Well, first pieces? of all,
0: the numbers are significantly improved. You know, the number of animals who enter the shelter, it's, you know, like half of what it was, you No, know, even like a third of what it was back then, because there's a lot more education. There's a lot more spay and neuter, There's a lot more, aggressive isn't the right word, but adoption. You know, let's get these dogs adopted. And you you see airplanes taking dogs, flying dogs around the country to take, for example, there's a lot of chihuahuas in Southern California. But people in the Northeast want a small dog for apartment living or whatnot. Mm -hmm. They they airlift them out of here. So you just see people being innovative to make a difference here. Do you think that's an L.A. thing? No, no, no. It's all over. I mean, there's regions, you know, all around the country, but there's, um, Rescue Road Trips. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Great yeah, yeah. book, actually. Yep. Rescue Road. Yep. Yeah. And where, where they transport dogs from the deep south to the northeast. So it's just more awareness and, and, you know, it's not by no means is it better. Yeah, it's better, but it's not all the way better. There's still millions of dogs, millions still who are in the shelters, but it's improvement. And one of the things I noticed when I was walking around New York City a couple, more than a couple of years ago, maybe even five or 10 years ago with my husband, I said, are there a lot more dogs here now? with people than when we lived here and he said, Oh yeah. And I said, it's, more people have dogs too, you know, dogs that aren't adopted, you know, rescued and dogs that are adopted and rescued. So there's just much more. It's actually the first blog I ever wrote was about this. And there's just more people with dogs and more people saying, I'm willing to take a look at a, a homeless dog, a shelter dog who needs a home.
1: Also becomes sexy. And then there's a, a great whole, story. Yeah. You have a great story. You have a you great story. Right? Especially, well. if, you know, we always laugh here in Chicago. There's a lot of three legged dogs running around. And, uh, and we always call them the hipster dogs, right? Because then people and I know for, and I absolutely know people who are looking for a three-legged dog. And part of it is because they want, of course, you know, the compassion, it's compassion driven that they want to save a dog who is, you know, who has struggles and challenges, and maybe they identify with those struggles and challenges. But it is a, a running joke amongst uh, a lot of us here in Chicago that that's the hipster dog, you know, because <laughs> it's such a great story. Yeah. It's so it's so unique. Of course, no one wants a dog to be three-legged. Don't, please don't misunderstand. But it has become, there's a status to it, I think is maybe the word I would assign to, you know, to rescuing a dog versus purchasing one. Actually, that's a conversation I feel like is always really interesting to have to go down the different go down the different paths of, of why what you think about, you know, why there are so many homeless dogs and what you think the biggest problems are. But let's take a break right now. And when we come back, I want to talk about the books for sure. And I just want to keep talking. I love your perspective. I love your time frame and how long you've been a part of, you know, this movement and, and this work. I want to dig a little bit deeper in, but also want to talk about your actual your actual product, and then also talking to advice about what you would give to people who are thinking about writing their own book. So I want to talk about that too. So when we get back from a break, we're going to, to do those couple of things. Those are at the very first, so we don't lose those. All right, so sit tight, everybody. Um, Diane and I will be back momentarily after a word from these sponsors.
0: Sheba is a 105 lean pounds of... Happy dog for life because she gets fed Dynavite and lico Chops.
1: Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite for your dog this week. We'll send you a bottle of Licko Chops free. New, improved Licko Chops with omega-6, omega-3, vitamin E. And now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Licko Chops. Free this week at Dynavite.com. Oh, oh.
0: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com.
1: Hey everybody, Jamie McDowell here with my guest, Diana Rose Solomon, the author, the rescue expert. I think I would call you. Would you? Do you, you, you accept that term? Okay, label?
0: Usually I say ad, I say advocate, but I'll take expert today.
1: That yeah, just expert. Listen, you know, listen. If someone's going to call you an expert, go for it. Oh, let's go for it. it, go take for it. it. I mean, just, listen, just grab that and run. So I want to talk. You know, we were, before we went to break. We were talking about getting more perspective from you about what you kind of have seen what your perspective is, especially on the West Coast around the problems and why there are so many rescue dogs and how much you've looked at that and uh, and, and kind of what you've assigned to that. But before we do that, I want to make sure we talk about your books and I want to also make sure we can put some, I want to give some advice. I want you to give some advice about what you would talk to people about who are writing a book because I'm sure you hear it all the time. I want to write my first book. I want to write a book. I want to talk about both and coming at it from a pet book. I don't want to maybe, i want to get specific about a pet book. So number one, let's go ahead and tell us, can you talk to us about your books?
0: Well, as I mentioned before the break, my first two books that have been published, I wrote a few years ago, and there's actually more in the series, in the JJ series, and those are all kids' books, but the last three in that series have not yet been published. But then what happened was I was going into schools and speaking with children and doing author visits, which was a lot of fun. And I began to be known in the area, I guess, as you'll call it, as the rescue expert or as my friends call me the go-to gal, anybody had a question, they call me about dogs or really rescue or anything, aging dogs, health issues. And somehow, even if I didn't have a specific answer, I knew where to send these people to. And so more and more people were asking me questions. And I realized that I had a lot of information. And if the people that I knew were asking me these questions, what about the thousands of people that I don't know that had similar questions about dogs and Animal adopt, dog adoption, and even beyond that, what do you do to have a good long term experience and relationship with your dog and keeping them out of the shelter again? You know, let's make this positive. And so then I wrote the newest book called What to Expect When Adopting a Dog. And it took me a bit to do it because I really wanted to get everything I could think of in there. And I broke it up into five modules, really starting with, Am I even ready to do this? Because if you can't get past that part of, and I have a questionnaire, in there, then maybe it's not the right time. It doesn't mean you're never going to be ready, but maybe let's be responsible about this. And then module two is where do I even go to find a dog? You know, a lot of people don't even know that Mm -hmm. how easy it can be to find a dog, your perfect dog, an adoptable dog. And then module three is, well, what do I need to have and do to make this comfortable and successful? Just some of the basics, even bowls and leashes and What kind of collars to try and things like that. Module four starts getting into exercising your dog and, oh gosh, and let's say you're traveling and you want to need a pet sitter, just things like that and hiking and safety. Oh, that's another big one is safety for the dog and safety for families. That's a big one that comes up. Before you move on,
1: I want to talk about that for one second, giving your experience working with kids and writing books for kids. How did you address that in your book? And how do you think about that even outside of your book around kids and dogs and safety and rescue animals? What is your general one-liner around that?
0: I think it's bigger than just a one-liner. I think that it, there's education is really important so that kids understand dog behavior. But there's amazing trainers who have, um, and this is all in my book, by the way, who have great videos. So if you're a type of family that wants to learn how to act, because I'm not a trainer, but I know, again, remember, I know where to send you. great videos for families to learn how to act around a dog. And then somebody else who shares with me in the book, she has an infographic with body language that you teach the children How, and this is for adults too, really, how to, you know, read dog's body language so that you're not, you know, you're not pulling tails. That's the obvious one. But how do you know when a dog is upset and to stay away from them? These are things that we need to learn so that we can also teach them to children. But it's not just enough to say, oh, there's a dog and a child in the room and I'm going to supervise them everybody needs to get educated so and that
1: actually so you just actually gave the elevator pitch that last sentence and I think it is important <laughs> to have an elevator pitch around these pieces I do because you know what people aren't going to always most people are not gonna dig deep and do all of those things right watch the videos and read the books and do the things I mean so people do need what you just said is exactly what I think is the exact elevator pitch see look how that happened and I you. do because I people because people ask questions and they have a you know everyone's got a short attention span they're looking for that one nugget and it's interesting. I am um, from being in the business startup world and pitching investors and pitching other partners. And, you know, I, I'm very verbose and I like to talk and like to, you know, I, I always feel like I want to share the whole big picture and I want everyone to get excited. And I've been coached uh, within an inch of my life over the last, you know, year that now. Nah, what's the one thing just what can you give someone and they and these are people who are might be writing big checks or coming on board or working for you so they're really committing right in some si- specific ways significant ways they just need one line what can you tell them that's going to sum up your idea and they're going to be able to wrap their brain around it real quickly and then go di- and then go deeper right so I feel like what you just right. said just really brings me into oh well then why not why can't I leave them alone what if I you know so so there you go that's my feedback, my advice, my my takeaway from that piece of the conversation, because I as obviously as a parent and a dog trainer myself, this is a, an important topic for me and something that I've focused my career around for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. So I love that, that that's something that you're so keenly aware of and that you make such a big deal about. So and that you're so, so focused on. OK, and then the next. So I, I interrupted you but I, oh,
0: because no, I. There was, just, there was just one more module. One more. Is, right, um, one more. Yes, yeah, the fifth module, Advanced Pet Parenting, and it gets into, if you have a senior dog or if you have a really high-energy dog, how do you, you know, what are some ideas to keep everybody happy and comfortable so that we have a good longevity, good long-term experiences um, in the pet and what parenting experience?
1: People, what do you say to people, this is, a, this is a throw a toughie at you, but what do you say to people? Or do you ever think that it just doesn't work, that someone adopts a dog and it just is not the right fit? Or do you think there's always something to do to make it a right fit?
0: No, it's not always the right fit for sure. And some people try to make it work because they do love the dog, but it's just not right. A friend of mine just had to rehome a dog because the dog was getting aggressive towards her children. This was a dog that she got as a puppy. So it wasn't like, you know, so this can happen with adopted dogs and, you know, dogs that you buy. This is across the board, but sometimes it doesn't work. And I actually have a section in the book about rehoming. Because it's important to know. My belief is that you try the. if you love the dog, you try the best you can. You bring in a trainer, you bring in a behaviorist to the best of your ability. But there comes a point where you just say safety first, sanity second. And um, if it's not going to work, there are options. And you just don't want to bring the dog back to the shelter. And you don't want to bring the dog. Or, and also, that there's also a lot of times adoption contracts. If you adopt a dog from a rescue group, where you have to bring the dog back to the rescue group. And most rescue groups give you like a two-week period during which you're not officially the new pet parent. And then once it seems like everybody's settled. But of course, stuff happens after the two-week period. So you have to be flexible. I say try your best, but if it doesn't work, you know. I
1: I gotta tell you, listen, I gotta tell you, Diane, you are so reasonable and so thoughtful and so responsible and, and you're reasonable, and you're, I mean, reasonable and responsible for me around giving people advice about animals is paramount to anything else. And everything you've said today, and everything I'm learning about you, and what I've done, and I have your books at home, and I haven't, of course, done a cover-to-cover read, but I certainly have a sense of who you are, and feel feel good about that. Or we wouldn't be here talking today. I'm really impressed. I just want to tell you, you know, whatever that well, means to don't. you, how I say that. But I'm very, very impressed as a. I haven't heard anything you said today and I talk to a lot of people, not just in this forum, but in general about pets and about education because that's what I do, right? For That's what my company does. And so you're really thoughtful and I just, I'm so happy that you're here, that you're a resource for people and that you are continuing down this path of, of committing, you know, that you're committed to this messaging and that you're committed to delivering your books to an audience. So I just want to make sure I say that. Before we hang out, oh, thank you so um, much. you're very welcome. You're very welcome. So can we talk a little bit about the advice you would give to people? So someone who's listening right now and said, you know, I, I have some really good things to say about cats or birds or dogs or, you know, horses, whatever it might be. What's some advice you would give?
0: Well, I think that people, there's a lot of fears that I've experienced with people who want to write something. And of course, it varies from person to person. Some people feel like they don't have, that they are not a good writer. There's an answer for that. There's always somebody who can help you edit. I had a great editor who helped me organize this book. It was a mess in the beginning. It was just a lot of words and she helped me make it into a book. So I would say, get the words down, get your, even if it's just an outline, make some notes, put it all in one notebook, have your bird notebook, you know, my bird book, notebook, whatever you want to do. And, and start just writing when you have an idea, just jot it down. You don't, you don't have to decide that it's going to be a book right yet. Just Start putting some notes down and you'll, you'll see that the form it takes. And then the next part of it, I, mean, I don't know if you know Brene Brown, but she was talking about how I she didn't want to sit down and she's great. She didn't want to physically sit down and write, but she loved telling stories. So she grabbed some people that she works with and she spent a weekend just sequestered away and she said, okay, I'm going to stand up here and tell a story and you guys write it down. And that's how she wrote one of her recent books. And it worked great because her emotion came through. So maybe that's an idea. That And if, if you don't want to grab some friends, speak it into a tape recorder. People can transcribe it. You can transcribe it later. So if, if it needs to come out of your mouth, then have it come out of your mouth. And then beyond that, once you, I highly encourage anybody who writes a book to find an editor. And there, there's ways to do it very inexpensively too. On that note,
1: so, again, let's just say no one even knows where to begin. Can they even go to, like, Fiverr.com or, like, you know, one of these online? They
0: can. They can. And then there's also an independent book publishers association. So, even if you're not sure if you're going to, yeah, it's called the IDPA. Even if you're not sure if you're going to have it traditionally published or there's still resources. You can even join this organization, IDPA, Independent Book Publishers Association, and there's tons of resources there. And that's been really helpful to me because, you know, where, what do I do next? And I'm also available to your listeners in case anybody is interested in writing a book, but they don't know where to begin. I'm happy to help anybody take the next step because people come to me with different, at different stages. And I'm happy to help shepherd you through that stage if you'd like some help.
1: Thank you. That's, see, you're really awesome. And people can find you, and it'll be in the show notes, but um, at your website, com. Would you agree that's the best place to direct people? Just just kind of broad place. stroke. You can
0: always email me through the website. Yep.
1: Great. Okay. And you know what? I'm looking at the clock, and I can't believe that we've, I mean, we've, this time has flown. <laughs> and I feel like we're just we're just on surface here. But I think we have to, unfortunately, you know, start winding our conversation down. I hope that you and I can connect outside of this conversation. You're a member of WIPN, correct?
0: Yes, I am. That's how I met okay. you originally.
1: That's right. Okay. See, yeah. See your memory is clear. clearly is better than mine right now. So we'll connect through WIPN, and you and I will stay in contact, because I, I really enjoy you. I really enjoy you, and I think you're really wise and, again, sensible, reasonable, and responsible. So... Everybody, Diane, thank you so much.
0: Thank uh, you, Jamie. It's been
1: really fun. I'm so glad. Thanks for being my final guest during this period of of my my podcast. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm, I'm delighted. So you guys, thank you so much for being listeners and for partaking in all of the information that we've been sharing um, over the last, I don't even know how long, year, year and a half. I love the emails and I love the messages and I love the Twitters and I love all of the things. And I really do hope that there's been something for you as far as whether it's entertaining, whether it's helping you to move your ideas forward, whether it's about just feeling good for a moment or passing this information on to somebody that you care about in your life that is looking to move into the industry or move forward in the industry. I hope that there's been something here for you. And I really am so deeply grateful for your time and for you know taking a little bit of, uh, of that really important time out of your day and listening to what we have to share here on Pets Mean Business. So on that note, thank you all so much, Diane. Thank you again for being my guest. Mark Winter, Uh, you're the best producer in the whole world, and I adore you, and I'll be around and back, and you guys can look forward to my dear friend and colleague, Dustin McAdams, who will be stepping in. On that note, everybody, have a wonderful rest of your day, and I will look forward to being with you again soon. This is Jamie Migdell, your host on Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio Network. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.